It's the Last Stand Podcast. And here's your host, Brian Custer. That's right. Welcome to The Last Stand. I am Brian Custer. We bring you some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment. And joining us on the show today is one of the biggest names in the sport of boxing, the former unified light welterweight champion of the world. He's also the former WBC welterweight champion of the world. He is Danny Swift Garcia. Danny, welcome to The Last Stand, my man. Thank you for having me on, Brian. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to have you on, man. And uh, listen, though, what have you been doing um, to stay in the best shape possible, uh, stay safe, and avoid the coronavirus? Well, you know, during the, uh, the the pandemic, I was just, you know, I stood home with the family. We were on lockdown for like, I believe, six to eight weeks. So it was like, I'm used to staying in the house anyway because of training. So that wasn't really nothing. You know, when you're doing training camp, you got to stay home. You can't go out. So that was nothing. That was easy. And then uh, when, when things opened back up, I started running. You know, I started going to the gym. I started doing a little pre-camp, a little therapy on my body, make sure my body's good, chiropractor, massages, jogging, conditioning, and things like that, doing a little pre-camp before I start the full-on boxing uh, camp. So, obviously, the biggest news is Danny Garcia taking on the unified champion in Errol Spence Jr. Probably, I think everyone believes, will be the fight of the year to see two of the top welterweights in the world going at it. Are you facing Errol Spence Jr., in your opinion, at the right time? You know, I believe so. Even before the accident, I felt like, you know, the fight, the things I've seen in the Mikey Garcia fight and the, uh, the Porter fight, I felt like, you know, his style was great for my style. And um, before anything, you know, I, I felt like I could take him. So, But I definitely feel like it's the right time. It's, Dan- it's Danny Garcia time. Basically, it's time for me to go up there. And, and take was mine because I am, the, I am the true champion. I'm the true WBC champion at 140 and 147. You know, I had a six to seven year reign at that. So, you know, I, I took a little break and but now it's time for me to come back and take was mine. Uh, why Errol Spence and uh, not someone else? Like I know you and Bud Crawford had, had a little back and forth, uh, a little bit over social media. Uh, I know, you know, he, you beat him a couple times in the amateur. So why not someone like Bud Crawford as, and why Errol Spence? Well, I feel like to me, the bigger fight is the, uh, the Spence fight, I think. And plus I was, I was number one WBC and he had the WBC and I want my, I want my title back to be honest. But um, like I said before, all those fights can be made. It's all about, you know, just getting them done. And right now I have a big fight with two world titles and he has two belts. So I'd rather get two than one. Yeah. How do you see that fight playing out in your mind when Danny Garcia and Errol Spence get in the ring? How do you see that fight playing out? You know, um, I feel like it depends. It depends. It depends. You know, uh, I'm going to go in there and just fight like I'm going to do Danny Garcia. You know, I'm going to be out there. I'm going to work behind a jab. And I feel like I just needed to take, you know, extra risk for this fight. I have, to, I have to want it. You know, I have to take the extra risk and take the belt from the champion. And um, I feel like that's what I got to do. You know, without saying too much, I just got to go in there. I got I to gotta make them uncomfortable, and I got to go in there and take what's mine, basically. Your two losses, and both of them were really close. You know, the judges said that they felt like your opponent had outworked you. Um, so do you have to apply pressure? to Errol Spence in this fight and outwork him? 
Well, I feel like in those two fights, I want I should have wanted it more. I didn't want it. I felt like I won. I was too comfortable. You know what I'm saying? You know, I was the reigning champion. I was the name. I was I was too comfortable. I didn't I thought I I was in shape. I was ready. I felt like those guys couldn't beat me on my worst day. So, you know, I was too comfortable and I didn't want it bad enough. So for this fight, in my last two fights, as you can see, I stepped it up, I stepped my punch rate up, I stepped my conditioning up, I'm throwing more punches, I feel good, I feel hungry, and I feel like I'm I'm in love with the sport again. I I, I just I love what I do, to be honest. You know, and those two fights. Um, with the Thurman fight, I, I just didn't feel happy training. And, you know, as a fighter, you have to feel happy. You have to feel good when you go to the gym. You understand? You have to feel like you're motivated and just to give it that extra. And I didn't feel like that. Even for the, the Thurman fight, even for the, the Rios fight, you know, even for the Porter fight, those three fights, I just felt like I didn't want it bad enough, you know? I just wasn't happy training. And my last two fights, I just, I just felt like I'm motivated again and I love the sport and I just want to I won it all now. So we'll put a, a stamp on this fight. In your opinion, Danny Garcia believes that this fight will boil down to what? Who wants it more? You know, I, I know he's not, he not, a, he not, I don't have no more skills than me. He don't have more power than me. You know, I done faced them all. I'm battle tested. I've been cut. I've bled. I've been in wars. So it's all, it's all about who wants it more. You know, I feel like I'm the better fighter than him. And I just got to go in there and prove it. As long as I'm hungry and I want it, I really feel like no one can beat me. Because my only two losses were close losses, but I just didn't, I just didn't give it that extra push inside the ring and outside the ring. When did, Danny, when did you go from uh, taking offense to it to embracing the underdog role? Because it's, it's almost like all these big fights, you embrace that underdog role. And I think maybe at the beginning, maybe when, especially when you're at 140, when people were counting you underdog, you were like, well, wait a minute, why am I the underdog? I'm a champion. Mm -hmm. But now it's almost seemed like something you embrace. Why, why, why did you take that route? Well, I didn't choose that route. That's the image they gave me. You know, once, once the media keeps feeding things out to the people, they just believe it. If you if you say something ten years straight, Danny Garcia is the underdog. They're gonna believe that. You understand? If you feed, if you give them, if you feed the, if you feed the people ten years straight that Danny Garcia is a champion and he's a star, they're gonna believe I'm a star. But I, I just feel like that's that's the role they gave me. I know I'm not the underdog. I know I was in the amateurs. I was I was the number one amateur. You know what I'm saying? So then when I turn pro, all of a sudden I'm the underdog. But I think that's just the role they gave me. Like in my heart, in my head, I know I'm better than these guys. But you know that's just the role they gave me. So I. I'm cool with that. You understand? The pressure's on the other guys, not on me. Um, and that's funny that you talked about that because, you know, generally, uh, I would say even a couple of years ago, a lot of it was your father did all the talking for Danny Garcia. And then Danny Garcia just fought. And mm -hmm. now all of a sudden, it's different. Danny Garcia talks the talk and he walks the yeah. walk in the ring. So when did you flip that switch where you felt even more comfortable talking whereas before it was more of angel garcia doing most of the talking for danny garcia well they took the microphone away from my pops <laughs> <laughs> they banned him <laughs> he's banned he can't do nothing no more no press conferences nothing you know it's getting too real it's getting you know people people don't like people don't like hearing the real stuff you feel me so people want to hear people want you to say oh, everything's going to be okay you know that world is everything's fine people don't want to hear the truth and you know, Angel Garcia, he's telling you the truth. So, but you know, I always been a, I always been a, you know, a funny person. I always had that personality, but I just felt like 
boxing kind of took it away from me, you know what I'm saying? Because it's such a serious sport. So I just became like a real serious person. And, you know, it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of things you go through mentally. So it's not a game. So I just feel like that stripped me of my personality. It just made me serious and just kind of be more like a killer all the time. You know what I mean? But I feel like the older I got, you know, I'm more comfortable now. You know, I'm happy with myself. I love myself. Like I said before, I fell in love with everything again. You know, I have a loving family. So I'm just, I'm just being, I'm just having fun with this at this point. You know, when you look at your career and especially at 140, man, you took on some killers at that time uh, in that division at 140. And then you look at what you've done at welterweight, the same thing, all of these uh, top fighters, how much did it bother you? And, and have you finally dispelled that, that, that notion that maybe the media put out there that Danny Garcia is a cherry picker? Well, like I said before, you know, the cherry picker thing, I think it was just created by haters. You know what I'm saying? But like I said before, feed me them cherries. I eat them every time. I, I love dessert. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I popped a lot of cherries in my lifetime. You feel me? <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's just like I said before, some people get with good media attention. Some people get the bad. It's just how it works out. You don't pick it. It just happens. So, hey, you call me what you want to call. You can call me whatever you, whatever you want to call me. You feel me? Just don't forget to call me successful. You know what I'm saying? Because I wasn't born. I, I was born with nothing. You know what I'm saying? I come from the streets of North Philadelphia where, where the good die young and the old die of stress. You know what I mean? So you fly into Philadelphia, you see dark clouds every day. You, you just feel the energy. You know what I'm saying? So to me, where I come from, a kid from the North Philadelphia, a Latino kid from the streets of Philadelphia to be, to make it to the top of the sport of boxing. This is more than just a dream come true for me. Like I'm motivated all the kids in Philadelphia to be world champions into box. Cause before me, there was only one person. It was Bernard Hopkins and he, he led the city, but you know, Bernard the OG. I was the new face, the new cream of the crop for all the young kids to show you that you can come out of Philadelphia and be a world champion. So to me, People can say whatever you want to say about me, but go to Philadelphia and ask them who they look up to. You can even go to Puerto Rico and ask them who they look up to. And I was born in America, you know, so I've done a lot for the sport. I did a lot for my culture. And I felt like, you know, you can call me whatever you want to call me, but I know what I've done in this sport. I took on 14 world champions, current or, 14 world, current or former world, world champions. Not a lot of fighters have done that. Been that underdog and won. Came out on top. You, listen, I, listen. I, I hear what you're and saying. And I'm not, I'm not bragging. I'm not bragging. This is no. just facts. You yeah. can check the paperwork. No, absolutely. I mean, because, you know, hey, look, a number of people will say what they want about any fighter. But when it comes to Danny yeah. Garcia, they'll say, oh, yeah, punching power, maybe not the best footwork, maybe not the best. And I'll, that's why I always say, hey, he's the DJ Khaled of boxing because all he does is right. win. You say whatever exactly. you want, all he does is win. Uh, right. You talked about growing up in Philly. How, how did Philadelphia – help you become a great fighter? I feel like, you know, coming out of Philly, it's just, um, it's just an old school, it's just an old school town. Like, as far as like how people raise people and, and the bot, like in Philly, you're taught to be humble. You taught not to show off somebody might rob you. You, you taught not to be where, you know, talk loud because you're going to cause too much attention or they're going to hate on you. I'm saying so in Philly, you're taught, to be humble, you know what I'm saying? They, so I think that's why a lot of fighters from Philly, they don't have that flamboyant personalities because how they raise people. 
It's just like an edgy city. Like, they tell you not to be loud. They tell you not to show off because if you show off, somebody's going to, you know, try to harm you or something like that. So you grow up humble, you know? So I, I, was, I was raised with that type of discipline. You know what I'm saying? To earn it and just lay low. And then the, and the boxing thing was just a whole, the boxing thing was just a whole different type of thing. Like, Philly is a, I was the only Latino kid really coming up in Philly. You know, so I'll, I'll go to Champ's gym and I've been fighting kids with the shoulder roll since I was nine years old. You know what I'm saying? So I felt like I was, I was raised with the, you know, the, the Puerto Rican pride and the boxing, you know, from the Trinidad to the Kodos, the watching them, to the Bernard Hopkins, you know, to David Reed and all those types of fighters growing up. So I just felt like I had the best of both worlds. And, you know, it was a lot of times in Philly, I would go to these gyms and get my butt whipped, you know what I'm saying? But I feel like that's what gave me the, the toughness and that's what made me good, uh, you know, just coming up from Philly and having the best of both worlds. I think a lot of people too often sleep on because they hear uh, what your father says, they sleep on his skills as a trainer. And obviously he knows a lot about the game because look at what his son has accomplished. And, and you've talked about in the past that he has always been your motivation. This is a guy who fought cancer. How much has that, has your father meant to you? Because a lot of times we see in boxing, especially in the sport of boxing, the father-son relationship doesn't always work out. For sure. Well, I feel like, you know, in the beginning, when I was a kid, he didn't know how to separate the two, you know, because we were so hungry. We were so hungry. All he thought about was being successful and putting ourselves uh, in a better position in life. Like, so in the beginning, he didn't, we would bump heads because he didn't want to let me be a kid. You know what I'm saying? So, but I think as we got older, we started, we started learning. He learned how to separate the two. Like, all right, let him be with his girlfriend. Let him be with his friends. Let him go to the, you know, let him go to the mall and do things. So I just feel like as far as like father and son relationship, a lot of fighters don't know how to separate the two. Like, they don't want to see him hanging out with his friends because they think their friends are going to lead him down the wrong path, you know what I'm saying? Or a girl is going to have a baby, you know, or quote-unquote set him up or whatever. You know how you know how it is, but... Absolutely. I just felt like we had a friendship. We built a friendship. You know, it was more than just boxing. We built a friendship. And I feel like if you your father's your trainer, you should be able to laugh with him. You should be able to go out to the... You know, go on vacation with him, go to the club with him, and just have a friendship because once you have a friendship, everything else is just... Everything else is just downhill, you know what I mean? And I, one thing about Angel, other than being a boxing trainer, he, he don't make – see, a lot of fighters don't have this. You need, you need a trainer, but you need somebody to make you believe in yourself, you know what I'm saying? Because you, there's a, you will have doubts, and you need somebody to come say, hey, look, you, you know you're better than this kid. Come on, Danny, you know, you know. So I think you need a motivator more than just a trainer because you can have all the skills in the world. But if you don't believe in yourself, it's not going to mean nothing. You ain't going to win. There's a lot of fighters out there who are really good, but fold under pressure because they don't have someone who could beat in their head that they're, they're great and they can do it. And more than anything, I think that's what Angel is. He's the best motivator, and he would just make you believe in yourself, and, and he'll, he'll get in a person's head. He believes in me so much that he tries, you know, he'll fight the mental battle with me. So I just feel like that's the thing you need. You need a motivator and someone who to correct you when you're wrong, but at the same time, let you have fun and be yourself. Because if you're not happy, you're not. You're never going. You're not, you're not going to be a good fighter. You know, listen. I I have truly, and you know this, um, uh, utmost respect for you, not only as a fighter but as a person, and, and the things that you've done out of the ring because you have just been tremendously successful outside of the ring as well, especially as a businessman. I mean, from a barber shop, you have. Uh, 
you have uh, real estate, um, you have an auto shop, uh, you have a very successful clothing line. Who was the one who told you, hey, look, you need to set yourself up for after boxing and gave you these gyms that allowed you to be so successful outside the ring as well? Well, a lot of it was, uh, you know, growing up watching boxing, I would see a lot of fighters grow bro broke. And I said, why are these fighters going broke? Like, you know, boxing had a bad image for a while. Like, fighters are stupid. You understand? So I grew up, I grew up looking at that. Like, why, why do I box? Oh, you're going to be, you're going to be shaking me done. You're going to be broke. You're going to be. So I, it just had a bad image at one time. So I said, you know, I want to help change the image of the sport. You know, and then I looked at why fighters are going broke. You know, bad spending habits. Don't pay their taxes, um, just bad investments. You know, paying the bag boy hundred thousand dollars or whatever. So, we just—I I just wanted to create a tight circle. You know, pay. You know, keep the money in the family and make sure that I invest, but at the same time still have some money. You know, some liquid and pay my taxes and everything else. So, but my first, like my first signing bonus when I got my first signing bonus, the first thing I did was I bought a house. Pops, Pops told me, let's, let's get into real estate. So I bought a house for about 35000 I put 15000 into it, and then I sold it for 90000 So I made like a $40,000 profit with my first signing bonus. And then that's what really motivated me. And that's what like, yo, this works. So I, I kept doing that a few times. And, you know, we just, we just building. We're not going crazy. We're just building a little bit at a time. So that way, when I retire, I still have income coming in and everything be all right. Uh, it's fantastic, man. Uh, let's talk about your career uh, a little bit. I always thought a Garcia versus Garcia fight would be huge. A Danny Garcia taking on Mikey Garcia. Why do you think that fight never came to fruition? To me, I think that's one of the biggest fights you can make in boxing. You know, a Latino versus a Latino, a Mexican versus a Puerto Rican. I think that's one of the biggest fights you can make in boxing. And I, did, I think it would have been great for all the Latinos around the world. You know, I, I agreed to it. I, I think the fight was supposed to happen last year on um, August 31st. We were supposed to fight at the Staples Center. But um, the, fight never, the fight never happened. So I, I really don't know why the fight hap never happened. Some, you, might, you probably got to ask him, to be honest, because I know I agreed to it. Yeah, I, th I thought that would have been a, a really, really – uh, tremendous fight for the sport. How many how many more fights do you think Danny Garcia has in him at 147? I would say two. This and one more. And then we we I'm gonna go up to 154. And uh, my my goal is to win at three divisions. My goal is to win three divisions. And I feel like until that happens, I just feel like I I didn't I didn't live up to my career like in my head. Like what I what I had a, my goal was to be 140, 147, and 154, and instead of what happens, I feel like, you know, the Garcia legacy is incomplete. But this win, this win right here, will make me a five-time world champion. So, even if I don't go to 154, the, the legacy is still there. The legacy is here right now. Uh, is there a guy? I mean, obviously you're fighting Errol, so that's that's probably that is the top at 147 right, right now. Yeah. Is there a guy that you say I can't leave 147 without fighting? I would say I want those rematches with Porter and Thurman. Like I would say that, but as far as you know, Porter, Thurman, Spence, I feel like those are the those are the top guys. You know, mm -hmm. that our fights are easy to make. You know, Pac-Man, but Pac-Man is a legend. 
like you said, Terrence Crawford, maybe that could happen in the future. But three out of the five is still good. But I still want to fight. I still want to fight um, Porter and Thurman. That could be at 154. You know, we're not we're not natural 154 pounders, so maybe we could go up there and fight for a belt. You never know. Um, how many more years of boxing does Danny Garcia have in him? I don't. I feel great, man. To be honest, you know, people ask me that every day. Um, I just feel like I'm seasoned now. Like I've been through a lot in the sport, and my body feels good. You know, I don't have no like. I never. Thank God, you know, I never like broke a bone or tore like a ligament or ripped my arm or something like that. My body's healthy. You know, I take care of my body in between fights. I gained a little bit of weight, but that's natural. You know what I'm saying? You, you got to eat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to eat. But I feel good. You know, I don't like to say. I don't like to say because I just feel great. And I don't want to put a time limit on it. So I'm just out here fight, taking it one, one fight at a time until my body says, you know what, Danny, just – you know, tail off into the sunset. <laughs> uh, most gratifying victory in Danny Garcia's career thus far? I feel like my f- most gratifying victory is, uh, I mean, I had a lot of great wins, to be honest. I would say that, you know, the condo was on the top of my list because I was the eighth to one underdog. Like, no one gave me a chance. You know, the Matisse fight, even the Zav Judah fight, I beat him in Brooklyn, his hometown. You know, the Lamont Peterson fight. He was the IBF champion at that time. I, we didn't unify because we fought out of catch weight. But um, I wish I would have did that. I would have had the IBF belt already. But, uh, you know, I had, a lot of great, I had a lot of good victories, man. And, and a lot of great fights. Even the Porter and Thurman fight. I'm proud of those fights. I mean, the fans loved it. You know, I wish the outcome would have became mine. I felt like I won, but it wasn't. But at the end of the day, the sport of boxing is to fight the best. You know, I never, I never thought I would lose, you know, but, and it, it, it was a bad feeling and it's the worst feeling in the world, but hey, I fought the best. I beat the best. I came up short. I felt like I won, but at the end of the day, the sport is to fight the best. And that's what I'm doing. When you, when you look back, when, when it's all said and done, you look at Danny Garcia, I fought the best at that time. And that's what it's about. You, you know, the, the, the great thing I, I love about you is you're right. I mean, Amir Khan at that time, man, everyone was like, this guy is so fast. He's powerful. There's no way he's going to lose that fight. And, and to see what you did to Amir Khan and Lucas Matisse at that time was the boogeyman uh, mm-hmm. at 140. And no one did. Matter of fact, I remember doing a radio interview and I said, listen, Danny Garcia's got this left hook that you've got to watch out for. And I remember the guy interviewing me saying, Brian, Danny Garcia can't win this fight if he walked in that ring with a bazooka. And what you did to Lucas Matisse was like, wow. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm absolutely he never with fought, Matisse never fought nobody with my mindset. That's what it is. That's the difference. He never fought yeah. nobody who wasn't scared of him. See, yes. when you fight somebody who's not scared, afraid of you, then you're in for a long night. And me, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not scared of no one. And they know that. Like, this is what I do. I fight, and I'm not, I'm not afraid of no one. So that's what they see. So I mentally break them down. If you look at everybody I fought, they've never been the same. The only person who's been the same is Porter. He actually got better after he fought me. But if you look at everyone down the list, Amir Khan, Matisse, even Thurman, never been the same. It's the mental I- pressure. You're right because Matisse, that was that after that loss, that was the downfall, I think, to me. 
of Lucas right. Matisse. We had Keith Thurman uh, here on, on the show. Keith Thurman said, you hit him uh, on his arms and on his shoulder. He said his shoulder hurt for a week after the fight. He said, with, and then he said, without question, Danny Garcia is the biggest puncher that he has faced in his career. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly there. Uh, speaking of Porter, speaking of Thurman, which one of those losses stung the most? They both. They both. I think they both hurt really bad, to be honest with you. Like, it took me a while. to No, the Thurman fight, it took me a while. Because, you know, I was – I took – like, I took a break after that for, like, a year. I took, like, a year off. just. To, but I thought about it every single day. I think about those fights to today. Like, I would – in the sport of boxing, I would accept it on paper. But I would never accept that in my heart. Like, that's how, that's how, like, competitive I am. Like, I will never accept those losses in my heart. But I'll accept it on paper because that's the sport of boxing. But I'll accept it in boxing. But I will never accept those fights. I will never yeah. accept those losses. They both hurt a lot, you know, because it was – but I would just – I just, like I said before, I, I just had to do more. I didn't want it enough. And you got to want it. You got to want that extra. No matter how hard you train, how hard you run, you have to give it. You have to give it that extra, and I didn't give it that little extra, and then that was the outcome. Who Who is the one fighter, Danny, who has um, influenced you uh, the most in, in your career, and who is the fighter now that you look you look to and say, I think this this guy is going to be the next star of boxing? Well, me growing up. Um, a lot of people, you know, I love, like, I love Prince Nassim Hamed. He was like, you know, the leopard trunks. That's why I wear leopard trunks, to be honest with you. He was like my idol. He wore the leopard trunks. So I wear like the colorful leopard trunks, you know? So, you know, Felix Trinidad, everyone loved Felix Trinidad. Like Puerto Ricans, everyone loved Felix Trinidad. And then Bernard Hopkins. Once I found out, you know, when I was a kid and I found out Bernard was from Philly, because, you know, when he beat Trinidad, I was sad, you know, because, People love Puerto Rican fighters, and I was just a young kid. Then I found this guy from Philly, and I was like, oh, I started following his career. Bernard Hopkins, De La Hoya, even Oscar. You know, I'm not even going to lie. I looked up to Oscar. I know Oscar feels some type of way about PVC fighters, but it's all love. I still looked up to him. I looked up to um, Chavez. I looked up to Floyd. You know, Floyd was a – you know, I, I, was, I was a big fan of Floyd Mayweather. So, he, uh, yeah, so I would say those fighters – Roy Jones. Roy Jones, so those fighters. I looked up to all those type of fighters growing up. Uh, but as far as now, who are the young stars? Um, I, I, this, there's a lot of young good fighters out there who could fight. Um, but I would say, like, who could carry the sport for a while? I, th I think uh, I think there's, there's some good fighters out there. I mean, Javante Davis, if he's focused, I think he could carry it. I think he could really carry it. He's, he, he's a real deal. A lot of people hate on him, but I think he's a, he could really fight. I would say I like, I like Brian Garcia. You know, he's a Latino kid. Uh, uh, you know, he's marketable. Um, he has speed. He has power. So I feel like they protect – he has the following, so they're going to protect him, obviously, to make him to a star. He's a good investment. And then you got the kids like um, Jerron Ennis from Philly. I think he has a bright future. I think uh, Devin Haney. I think he 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 possibly could carry. 
Because I look at kids who are hungry, who work hard, and you just got to look for that impact. And I think those, those kids have it. Even the other kid from Philly, um, uh, Fulton, school, uh, yeah. uh, cool boy Steph. So, yeah, so he was supposed to win. I think he can, you know, he can do good. You know, he's somebody who's they don't he don't get a lot of media attention, but he's someone who could really do damage out here. Um, pound for pound, who's the best fighter in the world right now, in your opinion? You know, as far as that, I, I always felt like I was been one of the best pound for pound fighters. But you know, according to the paperwork and how things go. I would say uh, Canelo. Hmm. Canelo is the number one pound for pound fighter to me. Hmm. Uh, Danny, all of our guests who appear on the show, we take viewer questions, people who watch, who listen to the program. Uh, We get them from social media. We got a number of them for you. So let's dive right into it. Uh, This first question, it comes from Facebook. It says, first great Southpaw you face since Zab Judah, do you feel uh, the Spence fight can look the same? I feel like Zab was more of a slick softball with like speed and um, sneaky power. I feel like Spence is more, he's, you know, he's like, he's bigger, he's stronger than, uh, he comes forward. You know, he tries to walk you down. So I feel like their styles are different, but similar in a way because you know they're both good fighters this one comes from twitter it says danny how close were you to fighting floyd mayweather there was i remember a time there was talk that you and mayweather were going to fight how close were you obviously um when i fought matisse remember on the undercard of um uh he fought canelo then i fought matisse on the undercard and i um i thought that was the setup and I thought, you know, Danny Garcia going to fight Mayweather next. But, but I, there was rumors like Floyd might fight you. Floyd might pick you. Floyd might fight you. Floyd might pick you. It was a couple phone calls where saying, hey, he might want you. But then it, just, it never happened. I think he wanted to fight like um, Madonna and uh, Twice, Guerrero. Yeah, yeah and Guerrero. Guerrero, so I think yeah. Those, those, were the, those were the times where it was mentioned a little bit. But, you know, I never, I never got to fight. What about uh, Manny Pacquiao? There was a lot of back and forth that, that Danny Garcia, Manny Pacquiao. I mean, heck, it could still happen. But uh, how close was that fight ever coming about? Did you ever get a contract or anything like that? No, I didn't get a contract. But, you know, verbally, you know, everything's done. Everything is a verbal agreement at first. Do you want to fight Manny? Yeah, I'll fight Manny. Um, I, was, I did. Uh, it was a couple times. The Thurman fight, it was either Thurman or me. And he picked Thurman. He didn't pick me. He said his style was more compatible. You know, he felt like he had a better chance against Thurman, which he was right. Um, and that was about it. That was it. That one time. And this time, I think, uh, the last year, it was either Spence or Pac-Man. Before, you know, before, the, before I fought Red Catch, that was supposed to be the Spence or Pac-Man that fight. And Pac-Man, uh, you know, he's a legend. He does what he wants. So that fight, it didn't happen. But those, those, those fights could have happened, but they just didn't. They didn't, I guess they didn't choose me. This one comes from Twitter as well. It says, have you thought about the Hall of Fame and do you believe uh, that you have a, sh- a shot by the time your career is done considering your resume? Oh, for sure. I feel like, I feel like I'm already a Hall of Famer. You know, I accomplished so much in the sport. And, um, and I'm still here. I'm still going. You know, 10 years on top, you know, winning multiple championships, fighting the best, beating the best, and 
Absolutely, I feel like it. Uh, this one comes from Oscar from Twitter. He says, Danny, what is the strategy, especially the first six rounds for Errol Spence? Will you pressure him like Manny did Thurman? You know, I don't want to say too much, obviously, because he's my next opponent. I don't want to tell him what I'm going to do. That would be kind of stupid to me, right? But, you know, I want to go in there and just dictate the fight. You know, dictate the fight, dictate the dictate the pace and just fight my fight and just keep making adjustments and and just you know dig deep dig deep i gotta dig deep it's one of those fights where you gotta take risk and and go for it and that's what i plan on doing danny garcia we've come to the last segment of this show we call it the last stand i'm gonna ask you a series of questions i want the first thing danny garcia that comes to your mind you ready for sure let's get it all right here we go first question who is the biggest puncher in the welterweight division? Oh, you already know. I'm the biggest puncher in the welterweight division. <laughs> These boys ain't standing in front of me. <laughs> they feel that heat. They be like, ooh, look, this boy for real. <laughs> Who is number two? Who's the greatest fighter, in your opinion, to come out of Philly? The greatest fighter to come out of Philly? You know, besides me, B-Hop. B-Hop, to me, is top five of all time. Like you're talking okay. about resume and facing everyone. B-Hop, B-Hop, man, B-Hop's up there. You can't, B-Hop's a GOAT. So when you talk about the top three fighters out of Philadelphia right now, who are they? Right now? Right top now. Top three? Top three. Ah, that's a good question, man. Because there's a lot of good fighters. Right now, I would say, I, I would have to say there's four of them. <laughs> you know, Danny Garcia, um, Julian Williams, Tevin Farmer, and Jerron. I would say Jerron Ennis is last because he didn't win a world title yet. But he's on, he, he could be on his way. He could be on his way. And, and cool boy stuff, too. He was supposed to win a world title. You know, so. Yes. Those, those are all my guys, I would say, right now. All right. In your opinion, Danny Garcia aside, who is the best fighter at 147 right now? Right now, I would say Spence. You know, mm. he has two belts. He has two belts. Coming off two good wins. And now, he has to fight the true king to prove himself. Last <laughs> question for you, Danny Garcia. Uh... Danny Garcia, was he a bigger monster at 140 or at 147? I feel like I'm a bigger monster at 147. A lot of people will say 140 because I was just that ruthless kid who was hungry and just wanted to kill everything. And uh, But now I'm, I'm smarter. You know, I'm seasoned. You know, I had my ups, I had my downs. And now I just feel like all that, that's a whole combination of seeing vintage Danny Garcia. And I just feel like that's what people want to see. People want to see the Danny Garcia that knocked out Amir Khan and beat Lucas Matisse. They want to see that, that animal. And I feel like everything I've been through in my career, it just makes me want to be that. It's making me be that person, that scary guy who's not scared to bleed. I love it. Listen, folks, that's what we do. We, we bring you here on The Last Stand, some of the biggest names in sports, straight unfiltered talk, and we got it. 
from Danny Swift Garcia. Danny, I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, man, for doing the show. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. And folks, make sure you stay with The Last Stand. You check us out. We'll see you next week.